You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak Phase 3, Episode 36. Do your thing, Moon Mama. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 3, your monthly source for general Sailor Moon discussion and analysis. Um, well, I'll just say this month we're discussing Sailor Moon R, the movie. Um, so before we do that, let's um, let's talk a little bit about what we're doing with the show now. Yes, uh, uh, we should update people on that. Yeah. Um, so we have been not doing Moonspeak since Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 stopped, and... Uh, it went from being, what, bi-weekly to being every week, right? Yes. And that was only for three months, because it was 12, 12 episodes. Or was it 13? Some, somewhere in now. there. Close enough. Yeah. So we were doing that for like three months, and then it ended. And uh, that was a couple months ago, and um, at the end of that, I promised we would do some stuff. We were going to do one of the musicals, but it's just, they're too long. And not that I don't want to watch it, it's just I'm very pressed for time, and so Sono, and just we're busy. So I never got around to watching those, but we decided that while we're waiting for the next season to start, if it does in fact come back, which we hope it will, that we can just kind of have some fun. So, so I don't know if you initiated this episode's topic or, or if it was me, but what were, besides, you know, this movie and, and maybe a couple others, what were some ideas you were thinking that we could have for uh, what we're going to cover every month until the show comes back? I mean, we've got the the R movie that we're covering today. We've got two more movies. Um, I know there are a couple of specials. Uh, I know that Ami had a special. I know that there's a Uranus and Neptune special uh, that were in the first series that are kind of more standalone from from the series itself. They're not tied directly to any plot arcs, uh, so we could probably cover those. I know there's also uh, PGSM, uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, which was which was the live action kind of Tokusatsu adaptation. So maybe we'll get to that, which is a thing I've never seen. So that would be something we're both going into semi-blind. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a bunch of stuff that we can kind of take a look at before we we have to resort to getting through the musicals. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with them. Not that there's just... anything wrong with that. It's just you know we both of us both of us have other things going on in our lives, and the musicals are very long. <laughs> <laughs> They're like three and four hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of wrong to call them musicals. They should be called uh, Broadway epics, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, no, that's a compliment, are, you know? They are a full theater experience. <laughs> but they, they take up a lot of time where these things are much shorter and easier to get through. Right. I, I don't know that this will happen for sure, because you never know with uh, with us and our release schedules. But I'd like for these to be um, released like the second or third week of the lunar month, because uh, I think that'd be cute. So we'll see. The second week is the full moon, right? Because it waxes up to that, I think. Anyway. Yes, I believe. <laughs> uh, anyway, that would be cool, but we'll see if we can time it with the uh, lunar cycle, because that'd be uh, fun. But yeah, so like that's pretty much what we're going to do. And, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know that the shows are going to be particularly longer, um, but there's always a chance that we might pop in and cover a few things over the course. But I'm not going to say that's likely, because we're really busy. <laughs> You've got your creative projects, I've got mine. Um, and I'm, I'm planning to go back to school. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> But, I mean, in the meantime, we're just going to go ahead and get back and do this monthly and have fun with it, because Sailor Moon's a lot of fun, and it's uh, deep and impactful, and uh, we both like crying about it. Not together, just, yes. you know, 
here. In general. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, do you want to get back into this and uh, start bringing us in with uh, talking about who made this thing? Yes. Uh, so in in our general vein of credits, our director was Ikuhara Kunihiko, who probably best known for his creative work directing and helping shape and create Revolutionary Girl Utena, as well as more, much more recently, uh, Mawaru Mawaru. That's that's way too many letters that are hard to get out of my mouth. Um, Penguin Drum. And, you know, he's been involved in a couple of other things, but Utena is probably, you know, the stamp on which the it, it's his name stamped on that one, um, and that's probably what he's best known for. Okay. Our screenplay was done by uh, Tomita Sukihiro, who I'm not sure if he was lead on any of these, because Wikipedia just listed things he'd done, and I didn't look too much further than that because I was doing this kind of right up at the wire, but he wrote on Common Rider Super 1. Oh, that's cool. Bringing him back into the general theme of the things we do. Um, also, Mobile Suit Victory Gundam, uh, and Yu Yu Hakusho, just some big names there, along with just far too many other writing credits. I'd be here for half an hour listing off things he'd done. Uh, well, I guess it shows, because this was really well put together uh, from a writing standpoint alone. Yeah, so we're going through the R movie uh, a little bit loose, kind of fast and loose, just picking out kind of things that we thought were interesting, thought were cool. So we're not in quite the structured format that we were for Sailor Moon Crystal. We're kind of, for listeners who are more on, on the broader scope of our shows, we're doing this a little more in the vein of a rider jump. But we have we have a couple things set up that we want to talk about, um, so kind of a general, more general format. Right, and, and as the new kid on the block, I'll, uh, I don't know, I still feel so new to this, I guess, because there's so much history, and you've had this stuff with you for a long time, um, you know the source material better than me, so, um, I just have questions, because, like, things don't quite, like, I'm not in a Sailor Moon frame of mind, really, um, like, I love it and adore it, but it's just, it's, I can't, I can't really predict how these things will go, ever, um, so, like, I started the movie, and there's, like, the giant seed floating through space, and then, like, all this other weird stuff happened, and just, I don't know, I just let it wash over me and enjoyed it. But um, I first want to share a couple, uh, two potential titles that I have for this episode. So, Do Your Thing Moon Mama was the actual title, and that's in the dub, Chibi Usa, or Rini, as they call her. I'm assuming that's like a cute, like a diminutive form of Serena? I guess. Maybe? Yeah. That's what I they were going know. for? That, that was just her name. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever, 90s dub. <laughs> Sorry. Less. So wait, you you watched this dubbed? I watched this dubbed, yeah. I I did not. Oh, that's fun. That I, I've done my time. <laughs> I got to be honest. It I know it felt good to me. Like I like '90s dubs. There's like this weird charm because I was so immersed in some of them. Like I talked about uh, in the last RX that released I think yesterday. I was talking about Giver a little bit, Bio Booster Armor Giver, and like that's '90s dub as hell. And uh, you know I loved it. So <laughs> some things were really weird. But anyway, we, we there's there's a couple of the dub voices from this kind of this the R point the R Black Moon arc on that I just I'm comfortable never hearing again. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you know I I can't speak to that, but I'm uh, I can believe it. So anyway, to get back on track a little bit, uh, two other great titles I thought, which one of them's like a musical reference and one of them's a kind of a Power Ranger thing, but it actually is said in the show. Um, the first one is his boyfriend's back because like. Come on. He is. Yeah, he is. Totally. That's, that's the plot. <laughs> And it's great. It like it works really well. But we'll, we'll get more into that later. And then uh, we need scout power, which I think one of the cats. I guess maybe Luna yells that at some point. And um, man, it was a it was a thing. Sure is. Yeah. 
like I said, several things about the dub that I'm I've done my time. <laughs> I would love to see uh, if they do a new dub for this, because, like, um, I think, well, anyway, I, I don't want to talk about the DVD releases, like, sorry. Is it Viz who owns it now? Who has the rights? Um, I think I it's... believe so. Yeah, I think the new dub I is the Viz I believe it's dub. Viz. Okay. Well, so far they only have episodes. They haven't done any of the movies yet that I know of, no, so... They're not on Hulu. Okay, and well... And that's my only source for these things. Well, there you go. But I'd love to see, like, a comparison. So, anyway getting us back into like some of these things I, I i made a big note about like you know how darian not tuxedo mask they don't even call him tuxedo mask in the show at, at this or in this movie they just call him tuxedo <laughs> no really like a is oh my tuxedo and like oh they're all God. just calling him you know our friend tuxedo and it's just really <laughs> weird it's like why would you leave mask off you don't call somebody hat or coat, do you? Anyway, sorry. I, it's got to be like a lip flap thing. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, but like, if he's tuxedo common, but like he's he's still yeah he's still tuxedo common. Man, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. But so that was charming. But like Darian and his boyfriend were like really super gay. That was interesting to me, like especially for the times. And I, I think it played really well, and I think it aged well, even in the dub. So like now you and I are gonna have different perspectives on everything. Like how did it play in the dub versus how did it play in the subs? Because like. In the dub, they didn't ever say, like, oh, that's his boyfriend, or oh, they were in love, or oh, anything like that. But, like, you, like, it's clear just in the actions that, like, Usagi feels. I mean, like, he says stuff like, oh, you're choosing this dingbat over me, which is a great line, by the way. Um, I almost made that the title. <laughs> like, I was this close. But, um, oh, but, like. I may have to go back and watch this dub just for some of the great 90s dub lines. You know what? Pour yourself one or two and then just enjoy it. You know, it's, it's good stuff there. <laughs> like, that might, it might benefit from a group watch, too. I don't know if you can arrange that, but... Uh, oh, man. No, I could. <laughs> I could make that happen. I, I People think maybe come you and should. watch things in my house, and that means they play by my rules. <laughs> So I don't know how, how did it play on the on the in the original context and in the original with the subtitles. I'm gonna say it's been like 20 years since I've last seen this movie. I didn't remember it being this gay because man, it was not subtle, <laughs> even a little bit. And I mean, the the first time I watched it when you know I was probably eight-ish, maybe a little older. I don't remember exactly. Time frames are weird, especially when you're bordering on 30. But, so I'm not really sure how the, the dub kind of parsed that down, because that was a thing that they did. But, man, the, the original context is pretty much, he shows up like, hey, I came, you gave me, you gave me a flower, and, you know, I came back to give you a million flowers, and wait, this is your girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? No. Huh. But, I mean, like, for a Mamoru-centric movie about pretty much his childhood ex coming back and being jealous of his girlfriend in this weird semi-like Little Prince context, I mean, that's a really cool way to kind of do it. And I kind of enjoyed how they played it out. So I kind of think the dub, I think the mic was pointed too low, that the dub, like, didn't state until really the end, like, the whole thing about him, like, I'm returning this favor. And maybe that was just because it so quickly went downhill that I didn't quite catch it, but I wonder how much of it was just maybe a tweak in the dub. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, I really liked it. Like, it was a really compelling story overall, and the premise of it just, I mean, it didn't hurt it at all. I don't know if it helped it particularly or, or what, but uh, I it just, like, the themes that were there worked well with every character and how they, they played their parts. So, like, I'm, I'm down with it. I mean, like, I guess if you want 
wanted to, you could have made this a female childhood friend and had it not been gay, and it still would have played the same. But I almost, in some way, I think it's stronger this way, and I'm not sure why. Did the dub keep kind of the context of when Fiore's, like, screaming at Usagi about how she doesn't understand loneliness? Yes, it did. And how, like, is like, the only person in the world that cares about him? Yes, and, that was all there. you know, the, the girl's kind of fitting into the context of the things he's saying. Right, yeah, that totally happened in the dub. Okay, okay, great. Yeah. That's I, good. I think that's, like, the probably the emotional core of it, but then it splinters out into, like, the relationships, you know, just yeah. friendships, being lovers, whatever. It's that all, even though that emotional core with Fury screaming at her is at the end, everything else reverberates back into that, or from that, really, if you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, so, anyway, it ties in thematically, so that was all very strong. Like, that's, like, that's a kind of thing that the dub would alter enough to try and make it less gay. <laughs> that I wasn't sure how close they kept that. Yeah, I, I'm proud of them. They kept it really close, and it, and it like totally worked. Okay, so then my next, uh, I have a question here. Um, is this voice for Luna the fabled Grandma Luna voice that I've heard of? This, this is in fact the infamous Grandma Luna. I went back and listened just before the show uh, to make to make sure. And wow, I forgot how much she sounds like <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Potts. Yeah, like Ar- Artemis's voice actually holds up pretty decently all this many years <laughs> later. Like his his lines are not written well. No, no, but they're the not. voice suits him, and it, his delivery isn't awful. I mean, his his delivery is probably as best it can be with those lines. Right, and. I I think Makoto's wasn't too bad. No, they... She had, like, the slightest country twang, but I don't feel like it was that strong, and I also don't feel like it detracts, because, like, I'm thinking, well, where did... Where was her old school? Maybe she was in a, uh, you know, area where there was a dialect. You know, I'm okay with that sort of thing. Possibly. I mean, I only really watched that scene where uh, they're on the computer. Okay. And, God, that computer... (laughs) I am in love with Artemis's like mid nineties two three and a half floppy drives <laughs> computer. It was amazing to look at. It, it all looks a little. Actually, the thing that probably aged the best was Ami's pocket computer. Yeah, it's a phablet, you know. Pretty much fantastic. Anyway. All right, uh, next, next one. Um, so, this is weird, and I'm always weird about things like this. You know, Sano, I'm just, this is yeah. my wheelhouse. Uh, the plant monster has a belly button. That's wrong. She has breasts too, which is also weird. The design overall is cool, and uh, it sure feels alien and freaky. So, like, I'm happy with that. It's just, you know, these are animal slash human things, and they're not really necessary, you know? Yeah, you know, you know what felt weird to me? Hmm. The the evil flower that he's, like, carrying around, hanging out on his chest. You know, the source of all of our problems oh, yeah. today. It has a woman's body in the center of it. This is true. But it's a male flower. She's just sitting in the middle of a bunch of stamens. Oh. Which are where the pollen is you, on a flower. You're absolutely right. I mean, like, look... Magic intersex space flowers are a thing that I totally buy existing in this universe. Right. But, like, it feels like this really odd dichotomy, given that, like, she's, like, the flower is presented as female, and all of the monsters are presented as very female. Right. Um, which, you know, 
that in and of itself isn't an issue because all of the monsters in Sailor Moon are universally like 99% of the time presented as female. So I don't think that's a commentary on anything. Right. Like at all. Right. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Even, even in this situation where it's like Mamoru's boyfriend is coming back and is now possessed <laughs> by like this evil flower lady. Like that didn't feel like a commentary just in, in the vein of no, but all of their monsters are female. Right. I- and you know, I'm just kind of covering myself here in the, way that we tend to do on this show yeah i I, um sorry go ahead but yeah no just like i'm sitting there looking at this flower and i'm like this is a male flower with this like very female bodied or you know like she's got boobs yeah so like let me just be clear like my problem is like the sexiness of the flower women but and, and this extends to other things like i wish people would make a stronger effort to I get it's it's shorthand for coding these creatures as female, right? And yeah, I get that, and like I appreciate in Sailor Moon that like it's all strong women for the most part, like probably eighty five percent, and there's like the fifteen percent, like the some of the goon guys, and like a guy at the head of a group, right? And, yeah, and, I, I, and even then, like it's almost universally not the gu- a guy at the head of the group, <laughs> right? Like except in R, which which is fine with me, you know. I mean that, that that's that's cool, but like. I don't know. It just feels weird. But th- here's my uh, my nerdy uh, my head cannon for this. All those other flowers that were there produced, she produced them asexually because she's got you know both flower yeah, parts. Yeah, and I mean there and there are like flowers that have both parts that like have both genetic parts. But I'm like she's also cut off at the waist. <laughs> this is true. So you know. In a lady, all of the parts are below that. This is true. So, but she's a, a space lady, so I guess maybe it's different. Yeah, like, I, look, I don't know. I don't know how these flowers work, but, like, that was just... And, like, that's not a thing that I realized until watching it now. Uh-huh. I just, I thought that was a little strange. <laughs> I I, I, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, botany as well, so I didn't even register it at all, so... Okay, so next thing. Venus and Jupiter blew off the plant monster's arms, and I love how savage the scouts can be. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, these these are the girls I grew up with. <laughs> these are the versions of the girls that I grew up with, and man, they can be absolutely savage in battle, especially when the stakes are this high. You know, the plant monsters want to crash a thing into Earth and, you know, possess a everyone literally everyone so they get very brutal during that um but with each other they're very affectionate mm. you know especially ray in this movie takes a lot of time comforting and supporting usagi and in this era of the show that was very much kind of a role ray took on ray and usagi were very very close mm. and you know that's really put at the forefront of this movie like specifically there's i think the scene in the dub where the uh the moon mama line comes from where they're all at this park and we see uh jupiter venus and mercury and luna and artemis sitting outside this kind of pipe thing uh you know kind of discussing the problem what we're gonna do okay well we'll teleport to the asteroid and then we cut inside the pipe to like ray and usagi like ray sitting with usagi as she's crying and trying to figure out what she's gonna do and kind of blaming herself for this happening to mamaru Mm. 
And, you know, Ray's just sitting there like, hey, we're all in this together. We've got to do this. We can't back out. It's going to be okay. They'll come up with the plan. I'm just going to sit here and take care of you. Just a brief addition. I really liked how she was both able to be comforting and supportive of Usagi, but also uh, was able to have like an attitude with her and joke around with her. And that's a fun yeah, balance to see. And because it's very much how r- this version of Ray shows affection is, you know, kind of by sassing Usagi and kind of getting a little bit of an attitude with her. And that's kind of her sign that, like, look, I can still kind of mess around with you. Everything's going to be okay. Man, there was so much really beautiful animation in this movie, though. I don't want to compare it directly to Crystal because this is a movie, um, and therefore, you know, the budget and the time production is a bit higher than, you know, week-to-week episode production or even bi-weekly episode production. Um, But so much of the movement, even in little moments, was really beautifully done. Um, There's the scene in the beginning where, you know, Usagi wants Mamoru to kiss her in the greenhouse and everyone's spying on them and everyone's motions trying to like keep Chibiusa from shouting through the the shelves at them had some really beautiful animation going on um you know when when Usagi comes back to life at the end and everyone's kind of throwing themselves on top of her there's this really small moment of Jupiter like patting Ami on the back and kind of pulling her into the group hug Mm. um there's just a lot of really really beautiful animation done uh in this movie um to, to jump on that my one of my favorites and it got me um literally sh- shrieking and squealing a bit was uh, I, actually i think i squeed <clears throat> um was when uh mamaru got the uh, prince and Demian armor on that was really cool yeah no that was a really <laughs> nice transition um out of you know out of tuxedo mask and into endymion i mean it was shocking it, it just happened you know he got up it was yeah, resolved out and of nowhere um and you know the the transformation ribbons had a lot of really beautiful animation facial expressions were great um but just the the move all of the movements uh in this movie were done really beautifully mm. uh what one more and then I, i've got something to say about ray when uh fiore rushed usagi and grabbed the crystal that was an insane scene first of all and second of all like just the fluidity there was amazing and then just the sustain like the sustained ribbon I, I don't know twirling or not twirling but like in flux um off of her as you know during that whole scene was really awesome yeah and like that it's again it's been like 20 years since i've seen this movie so so much of it was kind of a blur to me but i so vividly remember from that moment where he grabs her up to her becoming serenity and trying to guide the uh the meteor kind of back to earth yeah safely just by sheer force of will and wanting everyone to survive like i have such vivid memories of that and i i very vividly remember the dub because i remember the song that they used Mm. um which is the same song that they use in the barrel fight okay in the dub i didn't realize that in the original japanese they used the song moon revenge which has always been one of my favorite uh songs from the show wow Uh, so i got a a bit emotional about that but i just i remember all of that so vividly and it just brought me right back and i completely lost everything It's always fun, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I was really surprised by this small detail, and um, I'm actually beginning to now think that uh, I need to mm, watch it again, maybe on a different device, and do something 
weird because I was on my phone and I think maybe there's like different audio versions and I accidentally picked one because like uh, at the end the song was in Japanese, not in English. So like that threw me off. Yeah, that that would have they probably just kept Moon Revenge for the credits. Okay, so that kind of threw me, but I'll have to check again. But like Ray when she's doing, I, it wasn't the Mandala attack; it was a different one. But it has like the of like the bamboo stick from like the garden or maybe that's like the kabuki sound i don't know what that is but like i really love that sound and she has it in crystal and it's here too and uh like i was just wondering like i was shocked about that and i was wondering like how many of the sounds of the original uh japanese audio remained in the dub and like was this only a movie thing and uh how japanese did the dubbers keep the show like did you know as a kid that it was in Japan? I, not when I was originally watching it when I was, like, seven, because I don't think I processed that, you know, other countries existed at that point, or that, you know, things from other countries would be here. (laughs) But, you know, as I got a little bit older, kind of in the the 10-12 range and was still watching it, um, I definitely, I knew where it had come from, and I could see, I knew enough cultural things to pick out, like, okay, they're changing this... Um, or this isn't quite right. Um, the, the thing with Ray is it's very hard to take the Japanese culture out of Ray. Right. And, and kind of her surroundings and her entire existence because she's a Shinto shrine priestess. So it's, it's very hard to remove that. But man, anything they could take out, they did. Oh. I can assure you. <laughs> That's too bad. Sailor Moon was one of those very, like, homogenized dubs. Mm. Uh, just, you know, that was a product of its time. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually very surprised they kept those sound effects, uh, in the dub for Ray. I feel like they were definitely there, um, you know, kind of in the general show, Mm. in, in the Japanese audio tracks. Just because, again, that sound is very much a cultural sound that is very much connected to Ray being the one with very much presenting the cultural heritage. Right. Okay. And then, uh, I just kind of have like a conclusion statement here, maybe. Uh, without context, I don't think this movie would be as strong as it is after I have seen all of, you know, Salem and Crystal that's out at this point and like some of the 90s series, but like, I was, you know, at some points, like, uncontrollably sobbing um, with how strongly the callbacks were hitting me when everyone was remembering how Soggy or Serena had helped them. And that's in that Fiore scene. I mean, that was just like... And, I mean, I'm glad <laughs> that that scene is just as strong in the dub, because that scene really is kind of the core of the movie. Um, and really, context does kind of make the whole thing. And I think this is really kind of the way that I like seeing movies for things handled, where... You know, the the context of the show and having the show makes the movie what it is, but it doesn't... You can completely watch all of Sailor Moon without this completely separate individual story right. and kind of get everything that you need. Kind of in our in our continued discussion of Kamen Rider movies and <laughs> when they do and don't work. Yeah. Yeah. But man, like this is this is probably the strongest of the three movies. Having revisited uh, this one, and I've revisited the other two movies much more recently than this one. Hmm. I think the third one is still my favorite. Okay, just because you know I have a long time attachment to that one. Surprisingly, which is a Chibiusa centric movie, <laughs> but I've always thought that movie was was just really sweet. But this, I think, is definitely the strongest narrative of the three movies and kind of it presents so much about Mamoru that 
really kind of brings so much to who he is. Yeah, and I could see maybe, like, okay, he didn't, nobody got an upgrade in this movie, uh, you know, speaking of Common Rider, but, you know, you did get that backstory for him. Uh, do they ever touch on it again in the show, or it's kind of left... I mean, they, they do in the show touch on, like, okay, well, his parents died in this car accident, and he's now kind of on his own. And kind of the feelings that he shared with Usagi and that are touched upon in the show, but Fiori um, is just a movie character. Okay. Well, and it doesn't, I don't believe it ever really came back much further from that. Though in, actually, I think the arc is before this in in the uh in the show there are two characters with very similar designs Hmm. to fiori who may kind of be the same species Hmm. kind of weird alien species that he is that's interesting i would definitely i kind of want to revisit that arc now it's kind of it's a filler quote unquote (laughs) arc um it's, it's an anime only arc okay um, more accurately, because uh, like again, that. there's there's a lot of good development that goes on within that, um, especially with you know these two siblings show or no no they were siblings in the dub ah uh, okay they were siblings in the dub I... which is weird I don't understand why we had to do that because it was male and female right so there was nothing gay that they were trying to hide but you know one of them they're they very much have feelings for each other they're very very er, they're very close as siblings 99 percent sure they were not siblings in the original context right again been a couple years so i don't know maybe their stuff in space is weird but they also you know both start kind of developing the girl develops feelings for mamaru the guy is interested in usagi And there's all kinds of stuff that goes back and forth there, but their designs are very similar uh, to Fiori, and they may be the same kind of weird alien that he is. Well, that would be fun. Um, and that's like, a, that's not Futo Tower being destroyed. That's just like a little nugget. That's, that's yeah. you know, fun if you've seen the movie, and if you haven't, it doesn't have an impact. Makes It makes absolutely zero difference, because he never comes up in the show. Right. Um, okay. Well, um, I think that's about it. I mean, this is a really good movie. I don't know if you have any last, uh, you know, closing thoughts you'd like to share, but I've, I think I've said my piece. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was great revisiting this movie again. It really took me back to, you know, having watched it as a kid. it's I haven't revisited this one in particular since then. Uh, so I was going into it kind of very fuzzy. And it, it was kind of great to experience it for maybe, like, the second time again. Well, that's cool. I'm just, uh, I'm really happy we decided to do this because, like, it just, it was so good. So much fun. I mean, you know, something I noticed, too, was, like, the, man, what do you call it? The attacks with the, like, cutscenes or, uh... Stock footage? Uh, stock footage? Yeah. They were fantastic. It's like Crystal of uh, Season 3, how they blended it in. I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, no, th- uh, it's very much... That's very much just how the stock footage was. I think there was some new stock... I think there were some in this, like, maybe the second time they would use the attack, that it would be slightly different. Okay. I mean, look, I didn't... So, like, <laughs> there wasn't always... Like, it wasn't always the same stock footage, and I know that one... I think Jupiter and Mars both used it both use some attacks without stock footage at points, mm. uh, which was really cool, because that's always a rare thing. Yeah. I, I probably am just missing the context of watching the show for, uh, you know, a whole couple seasons, because I know in Digimon, like, at some point I was like, oh, guys, you really have... Just, just transform already and begin with the fighting, because, you know, there's eight Digimon, and each Digimon can digivolve, like, twice sometimes. Yeah. I know you've, you, you mostly escaped Digimon, right? 
for the most part, uh, just because I never knew when it was on. <laughs> so I could never, like, I wanted to get into Digimon. I had friends who liked Digimon, and I'm like, it looks cool. I like the little monster designs. I loved Gomamon. Oh, man, Gomamon. Uh, for, for, like, no reason. I just thought he was adorable. Yeah. But, like, I could never find when Digimon was on, so I could never watch it. <laughs> well, you miss suck um, footage, but, so. But, yeah, Sa- Sailor-, Sailor Moon is always pretty decent with handling its stock footage um it's the reason i can't get into pretty care hmm. it, it one of the reasons pretty care stock footage is like a minute long oh no <laughs> that's not good i'm like that's that's a long time in you know a 20 minute show for sure where i mean like the the stock footage here was the is just the longest that it ever is so and then they cut it down as they need to in the episodes um but it was never more than you know, maybe 20 seconds here, I think. Yeah, I was thinking maybe 15, but you're probably right. You, you're better at tracking animation than I am. Um, I mean, I, I've never sat down and actually checked the timestamps on it, but I've, it's definitely not long, and they do a lot of... Like, the transformation sequences are always... The girls are very light against a dark background, mm. and they'll put, you know, warm colors against cool colors so that you can actually see what's going on. <laughs> right. Um, well, let's... <laughs> Let's keep accentuating the positive in uh, Sailor Moon. It's good stuff, and yes. uh, we need to say no more, um, right? Yeah, no. It, again, it's, it was so much fun revisiting this movie. I can't wait to do the other two. Again, this is definitely the most solid of the three, but I think all of them are a lot of fun. Uh, the second one is definitely the the weirdest. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I mean, this one was pretty weird, so it'll be interesting to see how weird it gets. This, the second one is a Luna movie. Okay. I would never have expected that. Uh, I believe this one was actually, the second one is actually written by Naoko. The second one does have a manga adaptation. Oh, okay. Uh, which the other two don't. Hmm. Uh, it's the, uh, the origin of the human Luna design that we had very briefly in season one of Crystal. Oh, yes. Or season two. Okay, I remember uh, this. You know, we saw for a second while Luna was praying, mm-hmm. which keeps leading me to believe that Crystal's gonna adapt at least that. That would be cool. Because uh, otherwise, why would you bother making that design? Because it does it. It shows up in in the manga for star for the last uh, story arc. Hmm. But it's it, it's a very odd place to put it um, when it's very much rooted in this the story of the second movie. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that then. I, I feel like we'll probably just do the second movie next, then maybe the third, and then we'll see from there. Probably that that makes the most sense. Okay. Well, uh, I guess let's get out of here, Sano. For I don't know how to do this. I need Aleph to come back. Aleph, where are you? All right. <laughs> we, we need Aleph to to do our outros. Um. Well, we thank you for joining us this month for uh, Moonspeak, and uh, I guess for Sono, I'm. How do you do that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm Amit, and I'll. We'll. We'll. You'll hear from us again. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I'm Sono. I show up to things. Yeah. Uh, and we're out of here. Bye bye. <laughs>